goes to the ground and not dropping it. Welcome to Catch the Moment. I am your host, David Tyree. Mr. Helmet Catch himself. I want to thank everybody for tuning in because we are along for a great journey. Listen, want to introduce myself, give you a little background. I know y'all might have heard about the Helmet Catch, but you might not remember as much about me. Just give you a little informative, but I wanted to do this a little different. You know, it's hard to talk about yourself and celebrate yourself. So I figured I'd bring my beloved, the one who knows me the best, my queen to be. Yes, my lovely wife, Leala Tyree. How you doing, sweetie? I'm doing amazing. Mm-hmm. You show sure all, girl. I'm yes, sitting girl. next to a football legend. Mm, come on now. I oh. sleep next to a football legend. Yes, you do. It's my privilege to cozy up with you today. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. Episode one. We're finally here. Will we say a long time coming? Long time. Probably too long, but... Just like you love me long time, it's been mm. a long time coming. Love you long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do this. What's yes, up? I'm so excited about Catch the Moment. We're finally here. Yes. Finally here, back in the storytelling lane. Back, back in, in the storytelling. You know, lending our life, our voice, our yes. experience to uh, a dope audience that's just looking to ride with us and grow with us. So Yes, I'm really excited about that. But let's tune in. Let's mm-hmm. tell your story. Yeah, we got some you, story to tell. You do have story to tell. I've had the wonderful privilege mm-hmm. to literally be a witness, yes. to be a bystander, to be eyes, ears, to just watch your life flourish. Mm-hmm. We are college sweethearts. Mm-hmm. Yes. Scooped up in 99, y'all. <laughs> On the phone, I'm like, big, yes. Big. So there've been there's been tremendous growth. There's yep. been many moments, right? And of course, the world knows about the moment That's in right. Super Bowl history, mm-hmm. and we're gonna get there. But first, first things first. Let's go. You were born January third, nineteen eighty. Eighties baby. Here we go. Right. We'll sleep. Yes. Where? What hospital were you born at? Livingston Hospital, straight out of NEW You know, you Jersey. always say Livingston Hospital. I do. <laughs> you know what? It's St. Barnabas Hospital, <laughs> right? But it's in Livingston, so a lot of yes. people see me on Wikipedia. It's they true. ask me, are you from Livingston? I'm like, no. no. I'm from Montclair by yes. way of East Orange. Essex County, we're here. Yeah, those days were, um, those, I mean, like, they're still in my heart. Everybody yes. here is, you know, anytime we start talking about New Jersey, I start peek, peeking up. But um, yeah, those days were good. Born, born in St. Barnabas Hospital, earliest years uh, in East Orange, nice. um, gritty, gritty, gritty city, ill town, well known for all the uh, foundation layers and rap and stuff like that. And um, yeah, you know, I think the big shift for me was moving into a great town in Montclair, New Jersey. Yes. And so, where did sports begin? I mean, did you start with football? Would you, I mean, where did it begin? Yeah, I mean, it literally began right in Montclair. So I moved there in the middle of fifth grade, had a you know a little bit of a fall, family fallout. We we actually lived in St. Thomas for about five or six gotcha. months and had a little bit of a family fallout. So that situation came and came and went real fast. And um, Montclair was a game changer just by way of the, the town. Obviously, it's a suburb in Essex County, very popular. Has always been very popular amongst um, you know. Amongst anyone, just in the, that's well known for the diversity, 
shops. But when I, when I moved there, sports was like in the fabric of the community. And um, East Orange, we, of course, we have the same things, but it wasn't as present. And it was like, even as a kid, it was palatable. It was what the kids did. So Montclair had like, they had a real culture Absolutely. in sports. Absolutely. It was, it was centered around it. So like I get there in the middle of fifth grade and sixth grade, I'm doing football, basketball, and, and baseball all sixth through eighth grade. And um, it changed my life as far, because it was a social thing, right? Like, yes. you know, now we're kind of, you know, kids are, it's like a factory these days, but it was a social thing and it caught for me. And it, it, it like I said, it gave me not just something to do. Mm -hmm. um, it gave me some sense of purpose. So as being in, in East Orange, I'm just running around the block, high go seek. Right. Be out here in these streets running around. Street ball. You know, street ball, you know. Mm -hmm. um, we called it uh, free fall, you know, football back and forth, running around, but <laughs> anything we can get our hands on. But no, I gave the real shape to it, learning the game and giving myself an opportunity to grow and prosper in it. Definitely football was what caught my heart the most, the physical nature of it. Um, I wasn't immediately good at it, but it was definitely the gritty nature of the sport was something that I gravitated toward. So I know I've heard you say before that um, if you weren't if you weren't gonna be a successful football player, you yeah. were gonna be a successful basketball basketball yeah. player. Yeah, I mean the sixth grade summer, the whole summer, like you know AAU is like super duper mainstream. Everything now in in a lot of sports is all about AAU. So I was tracking or trending all summer toward AAU, and I could just remember, you know, how my handle was improving. And I was a solid basketball player, but when you're not putting in that kind of repetition almost like all year round, what we see athletes do today, it's it's tough, you know. And I'm I was I didn't know how tall I was gonna be, you know. Right. So I I still would have had my chances, but I was I was moving in the right direction. Let's just say that much. You know, it was I was getting good quick. And I think I just had a natural bent toward athletics where it, it came easy. And um but yeah, I think I would have been a decent, decent little point guard perhaps. Who knows? I know. When I watch you play uh, recreation basketball, you go hard, okay? I got, <laughs> you go hard on the defense. Yeah, the problem was when you're 6'1", <laughs> and, and, you know, you end up being a big man growing up, you know, you, but 6'1", in, in real basketball, basketball you, yes. you ain't getting the shot, you know? So <laughs> I definitely chose right. Yes, you did. You chose right. So let's get right into, you go through middle school, you get to high school. Yeah. Right? You're in Montclair. You're at Montclair High School. Okay. The legendary. You, you know, I have to say this because you speak so highly of Montclair. You speak so highly of your high school experience. Yeah. And so I'm used to your nostalgia. I do. I, I'm trying not to go too deep <laughs> yes. today. But no, it, it was, like I said, I think Montclair has the, the, the most celebrated game in, in New Jersey State history. Montclair Randolph, 1990. That's literally when I moved to Montclair. So that's when I, when I said you can feel it in the air. Yes. It was there. And the long tradition of, you know, public school glory. Um, everything from historically to the Aubrey Lewis's, if all my historical listeners, to um, people, you know, more modern day like myself. Uh, David Caldwell had some years in the National Football League. Jeff Mills. So guys, it was, it was a seedbed for success, Montclair. And, you know... Whereas we there was there were so many different kinds of things going on. It was street activity going on. It was athletics going on. It was government. So that's what makes me speak so well of the experience. But ultimately, you know, I had a lot of challenges growing up in that environment. Moving from East Orange, we were the only ones in our family there. I definitely found my fair share of trouble in eighth grade. I'm already um, on like a juvenile 
list, one more hit, I would have been in juvie. Um, so I was finding my trouble. I was just finding my way as a young man. And ultimately, sports is what allowed me to rear and just changing my environment. And I remember getting my first piece of mail from Syracuse in Ohio State, which was just a questionnaire. And, you know, my sister, when I was a kid, she kind of like planted a seed in my head about being able to go to college as a full athletic scholarship. And getting that piece of mail as a sophomore, freshman, sophomore, whenever, it was like, I can do this. Awesome. So it was pretty awesome. Awesome. So I want you to answer two questions for me in relation to high school. I want you to give me <clears throat> one of one of your significant moments in high school. And then I want you to share with me also a significant person mm -hmm. in high school. Yeah, honestly, they both came pretty early on. I think when I got myself in trouble, it was, it was moving into freshman year and leaving the courthouse with my mother's face being dejected, knowing that the decisions that I was making up to that point, that I, I know I think it was the summer m approaching freshman year, I knew I had to make some changes. It was a crossroad moment. Mm -hmm. And right along the same time as we were preparing to be freshmen in high school, it was my freshman coach, Joe Fisher. And, you know, of course, coaches, they're excited about their talent, right? And I was, I was a talented kid. And me and my best friend, you know, we were those two athletic prospects. But he just was rolling up on us. Hey, man, you know, the excitement level, the excitement about us moving into high school. And um, super-duper impressionable in relation to feeling valued, you know, yes. moving forward into that transition into high school and the, and kind of like some of the, the lore that goes along with playing at Montclair High School. So You know what that really... Um because when you talk about Montclair in particular, I kind of wanted you to just, what feeling did Montclair give you? Because it sounds like such a community and it sounds like um, like you have support yeah. in a sense. Yeah, I think the, the feeling was that that what you, what you dreamed, it was the feeling of that it, was, it could be a possibility. Excellent. And, you know, and I think it's different in different places, right? You have to behold or see certain things mm -hmm. for them to become a reality. And moving from East Orange, where it wasn't like super limited, but I saw a different environment. I yes. saw different kinds of people, mm -hmm. different perspectives at a young age that made other things seem much more palatable and possible. Awesome. Yeah. Also, um, I know you speak of, um, you had a, you had a, a teammate and yeah. a, on your team that was pretty significant yeah. in relation to just you developing as a football player. It definitely the most influential um, relationship I had moving toward like this whole journey toward playing division one was Ron Cook. He, he was not just, a, you know, somebody that you saw, he was big, he was strong, he was dominant. And when it, you know, he, he came back to Montclair from one of those parochial schools where you get recruited from. And, um, and, but I, for the first time, I saw a family structure. Though. I saw a family that was committed to their, you know, a nuclear family that was just not perfect but committed to one another. And they kind of adopted me along that athletic journey um, toward my sophomore and junior year. And it really, it just strengthened. It gave me a lot of, you know, it was like it was a forerunner. Yes. Right? He was a forerunner because of his, the way he approached it. He lived it. Yes. And, and that, that kind of, that, that definitely rubbed off on me where it went from casual to life. Yes. You know, so um, I like that. there were so many people, of course, that, that I could name, but Ron, Ron can't be missed. 
Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, um, we heard you just share that obviously sophomore years, you start getting some interest in colleges, right? Yep. And so tell me how you decided you were going to Syracuse. Yeah, well, they, were, they were actually, I think they were the first scholarship offer I received. Um, and they were, they were early in the trail. Uh, and I think I had seven scholarship offers going into my senior year. So as a junior, I had seven scholarship offers. Can't remember them all. And, you know, it was an exciting time. And I think what separated them was, you know, I go to Iowa, amazing experience. I go to Virginia, amazing experience. And my third visit was Syracuse. And this was the only visit that my mom was actually with me on. So, um, you know, very significant, especially more so now that my mom is no longer with us. But um, at the time, her her presence there just made all the difference. I think you start getting tired through the whole process. Absolutely. And the trip had went great. And I'm sitting in a room with her and she just has this Mondo Ronald McDonald smile as we're listening to head coach Paul Pascaloni. And in light of, I'm a loyal dog, in light of Syracuse being the first on the trail, it just kind of made sense for me at that point. It made sense. They were dominant in the Big East at the time. And it was time to just kind of wrap this whole situation up and move forward. I was uh, glad that I did because I met you. I am so glad uh -huh. that you came to Syracuse. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't even know how I got into Syracuse, but that's another story. That's a miracle in and of itself. Okay. So the miracle started before. Well, Leala from the block. <laughs> Listen, I was, I was, I just, we don't talk about the SATs, but according to my SAT scores, shouldn't have been at Syracuse. Right. Ouch. But here it is. You accept this offer and you decide you're going to Syracuse. You're going four hours away. So yeah. you can still come back and be with family, be with friends. Right. Um, now tell me if you could summarize your college experience, how would you summarize it? Oh man, it was definitely memorable, but I hate, I hate saying this cause it has nothing to do with Syracuse, but those were the darker days of my life. And when I say that, I mean, you know, I definitely struggled as a, as a young teenager with drugs, alcohol, women, some of the typical vices, especially in the athlete community. Um, when I say drugs, marijuana, I know marijuana is not a big deal these days, but um, it certainly didn't make me a better man. Alcoholism. Right? <laughs> Alcoholism. So everything intensified. I mean, everything in high school was kind of like your fun mm -hmm. weekend grind. But in, in high school, excuse me, as I transitioned into Syracuse, my social life became more, you know, I started blacking out. Um, I, you know, like that's not a cool feeling. Like, you know, you can, you can drink and have as good a time as you want, but when you wake up and you don't know everything that happened the night before, that's not cool. You don't like people need to stop lying, right? Like the Marshall Street days. Yeah, the, come on, man. Come on. The Conrad's forty. The Shine, shine party parties days. for all my Syracuse <laughs> peeps. But um, you know, so I had a great time. I had the the experience right. that people kind of over um, over celebrate. You know, it's, it's I get it, but in that respect, for me being the man that I wanted to be, those were the darker days. But it was celebratory by nature of the grind, right? Like yes. getting there and not being the guy anymore. And honestly, I was nothing special. I had to, I felt like everything had to start over. Uh, and that's what allowed the work ethic to shine. I wasn't celebrated as a receiver, so I had to run down on kickoff and hit people. So my experience is, is Syracuse where the grit mentality really showed itself Excellent. and being willing to do things that maybe others weren't in that position. Awesome. So I know that Coach Hicks, yeah. That was your ace. Absolutely. He was your, for lack of a better term, your cheerleader. Yeah. 
all the way through. Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about that relationship. Coach William Hicks, he 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 was he's definitely a mentor. You know, in many ways, I could even say even a father figure because, you know, when you're when you're not looked upon, like you know, in the, in the athlete space, you know, you, it's some freaks of nature out there, right? Yes. And here I am, I'm six one, you know, hundred and ninety something pounds, and I'm running four four fours and all this other stuff, but they don't look at me like I'm like I got the juice as a receiver, and you know, and he and he number one, he just breathed a lot of belief into yes. me. And I think, you know, number one, he, you know, even his energy and his, his professionalism definitely made me a better athlete. Yes. So, you know, he improved, he helped improve me as an athlete, but more importantly, he just was a, he was the big, one of the biggest cheerleaders I had. And I think he did that for a number of guys, but it impacted me to the point where, cause I thought about transferring, I, you know, I want to go somewhere and shine. Right. But you know, like there was, it wasn't no easy way out. And I was glad I stayed. I've always wanted these people where, you know, not to run from the adversity. Not that people are always running because there are, yes. you know, situations right. that you need to uh, really do what's best for yourself. But it wasn't as easy. And so staying in the fire really forged my personality and allowed me to thrive in some environments that might not have always been for me. Fantastic. So here it is. We're, we're in college, yep. right? We coming to the end of our junior year and we get some big news that could have gone Man. one way or another way. Right. We went half on a baby. <laughs> we had no money either, girl. Yes. <laughs> we were in a crisis Come on, man. situation. I mean, talk about adversity. Yeah. And kind of, you know, here it is. You have a future. I'm in school. I'm a nursing major. I got a future. Yeah. And here we are. We're pregnant and yeah. in college. Tell me what that was like for you. Devastating. Um, you know, and as a, as a man, I'm, I'm one of these guys. And I know that's not popular, you know, when when you say that, but the truth is when you don't plan things like that, a big life change. Yeah. We don't like sugarcoat things, you know? So the reality is, you know, when you're 21 years old in college, um, you know, the arrival of that child, when he's here, it's a blessing, but the way it comes is not, you know, and, and it's because, the environment that that the child is being brought into could be better prepared. Yes. Right. And I think that's all we're saying. But ultimately, it was it was devastating because no, I'm not prepared. No, I'm not thinking about that. Right. And I think most young people are making decisions that they're not looking at the uh you know the the real long term possibility or impact of how that's going to impact their lives, yes. their parents' lives, yes, people, the people who are supporting them. And that's that's what we fell into. We you know and. And at the end of the day, it's one of these things where, unfortunately, I had an abortion when I was young. And I wasn't going to pressure you to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was very glad I was at least in that position to say, you know, and at the time I wasn't like, you know, pro-life. And I wasn't like, like it right. was just like hands off. I need to be able to man up and take care of my responsibility if this is what we choose. And I wasn't trying to remove myself, but I certainly didn't want to impute. And I was glad that you actually had to say, I, I, I remember the guilt of being a teenager and going through that experience yes. and thinking about who my child could be. So right. that was also um, a sense of relief as we made the decision to be responsible. Yes. We did. Excellent. So I know that um, you'd share this, but how did that 
you know, having a son in yeah. college, how did that impact your vision about your future? Yeah, Tayon, you know, when he was born, it changed my life immediately. And as, as dynamic as you've probably been throughout the entire course of my life, Tayon was the first person that really shifted my focus off of me. You know, and I think that's where we are as immature men. Mm -hmm. But being responsible for another human, it gave me vision where I didn't have it. Like, my goal was to play Division One A football. Now I'm living my dream. Yes. And I had goals to flourish, and I never felt like I did that. But when I had Tayon, I said, man, how am I going to provide for him? I'm going to give him the best. Yes. And, you know, it's funny how we make everything is – everything is so, like – um life-changing, like visualization. I remember yes. going to the line of scrimmage and I had this image of my son almost every play. And I was hungry. I was just hungry for, not NFL, I was hungry for an opportunity. I was hungry for an opportunity to prove myself. And I know that he was the fuel and the motivation behind that at that time. So he he made me want to be a better person. He made me want to be a better man where intrinsically I didn't have that growth mindset and his arrival definitely changed that. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So here it is. You do four years at yeah. uh, Syracuse University. I did my bid. You, uh, through those four years, you gain a special teams title. Yeah. You are the special teams guru. It's a monster. You was amazing. <laughs> Made that special teams kickoff so exciting. Absolutely. We were always waiting for it. And so... Here it is, you're at the end of this four years, and it's draft time. Yep. It's at the end of April. We got some drama going on in the background. That's another <laughs> podcast story. Talk to y'all later. Okay, we got some drama going on. Yeah. But you have now the draft. Now we're going to see if, see if, hey, has the opportunity been given? Yeah. I mean, like it's like I said, when you you position yourself, and I think going into my senior year, I was not even on like anybody's radar, and of course starting and and I had a massive game against Virginia Tech that really, you know, the numbers were crazy, like 229 yards receiving. So, but that with my special teams tape gave me an opportunity. Did well enough on pro day. I think I ran 447, um, and you know I was probably the only black guy who couldn't jump, so I ran like a. You know, <laughs> Enough, <laughs> I jump like thirty-one inches on a vert, but but I definitely performed well enough to earn Did an you opportunity. Get another chance to. It, it was try so to bad they again. gave me a third chance. You know, you get two jumps on your vertical <laughs> jump. Uh, listen, it was so bad. They're like, try that again, man. Try that. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> but I definitely performed well enough. I didn't get invited to a combine. Didn't get invited to an all-star game. Um, had my pro day, and you know they were saying you can get drafted as high as the fourth or as not at all. I was prepared for not at all you know, considering where I came from. So being back home in Jersey, you know, kind of had the weather, um, our relationship stretch, you know, yes. all my dirt came to the surface. Yes. And um, it was it was a tough time, but I kind of had my eyes on the prize in relation to creating that opportunity. And man, did it come. You know, I couldn't, you know, it was, it was amazing sitting back home on the couch, mom and dad in the living room, and phone rings and it's the New York Giants. And... You know, it's like that's a little surreal in of itself. Thinking yes. about this, this is twenty minutes away. Yeah, that was that's like amazing. That was a little crazy, right? Yes. So, and I grew up hating the Giants, so um, trust me, all that love, all that hate just disappeared immediately. I was like, "Well, y'all cutting checks? Are we, are we cutting checks? Oh, okay, okay." <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
Yeah, like a dream that I never dreamed became a reality. And this is where, you know, people talk about dreaming. You know, you have to have a fresh a fresh dream, yes. something that's bigger, far beyond. And that's something I practice all the time, mm -hmm. but I do recognize how that works. Fantastic. You know, one of the things that um, I've witnessed and when you say that, man, you were just looking for an opportunity mm -hmm. and I've always admired that uh, quality. You've always been humble, thankful, grateful, mm -hmm. um, and just looking for an opportunity uh, for access. And so here it is, the Giants draft you and uh, your home. Yeah. Right. And so what was that first year like? Yeah, it was like, it was everything. <laughs> <laughs> so your dream comes true. I don't even have to move. I literally moved my mom downstairs to the apartment in the same spot we lived in, in the three, three family house. And ultimately, right, my, me and my sister upstairs, and it's like, we just chilling. So short story, I crush it on the field. You know, like they drafted me. They're like, yeah, we're going to draft a special teams player. We'll know where you're at as a wide receiver. I'm like, yeah, I get it. But I crushed the training camp. I deliver above and beyond even as a receiver. Had a 100-yard receiving game against, against the Eagles and some, some mop-up duty. Somebody got injury. I was, I was delivering above. And it was mostly just grit, grind, and availability. Not that I was so polished. Um, I like that grit. Grind and availability, oh, bam! Feel it, Let's feel it go. In. So yeah, it was it was that was so that was the win, right? Special teams rookie of the NFL special teams rookie of the year, Giants rookie of the year, and and I and I deliver above and beyond as a as a receiver, but ultimately, it was my character that was also being revealed. Yes, you know I didn't have the the, the five minute constraints of the campus. Um, I'm showing up to work and I'm smelling like the brewery. Mm -hmm. You know, former teammates could tell. I was, I was, I was off the chain. I was former teammates me. don't have to tell me. I know. Oh, you remember? I remember that that that, that drink. We were separated, to, but you remember to, the smell, right? He used to come out your pores, <laughs> but and it would be. It was real. You know, for a day or two. So yeah, and I just found that mold, money, having access to money, just multiplied all the lust that I had. So it was just more women, more alcohol. It gave me more access to the things that were ultimately debilitating my character, right? Even if they didn't, didn't debilitate my body, they debilitated my character. Yes. And, and, and I, I didn't, I was never comfortable with being a hypocrite, right? You go and you, mm -hmm. you're an inspiration to kids. Yes. And, but I got a private life that's not consistent. Yes. And, you know, that was definitely like that year, although the success was there on the field, off the field, I felt the weight of it and it all came crashing down. Awesome. But not really. <laughs> you know what I mean? Awesome, but not really. So I know that um, after that rookie year, your life changed completely. Yep. Right? You meet the love of your soul. I do. Right? Yeah. And that takes you through the next six years with the Giants. It does. So give me just a synopsis of what it was right before we go into the playoffs. Well... Yeah, so obviously Christ comes into my life. My life is radically changed. And um I We get married. We get married immediately. Meet me at 04. the altar. <laughs> <laughs> we get married immediately. I'm literally have a 180 type of experience. So I'm sure it was a shock, not just to people yes. around me. I'm sure it was a shock to the Giants yes. family. And there's no like clean way to do that, right? Like when your life changed, your friends, it it drastically shifts your life. And I'm sure I probably did a lot of things the wrong way in relation to handling 
people and relationships, but Christ was just more real in the forgiveness, the love, and the stability that he afforded my life I was in pursuit of. And I had, you know, by my third year, I'm all pro, pro bowl. Fifth year is is the run that we're on yes. in, in the Super Bowl. And I had, uh, I mean, like, my ups and downs as a as a receiver were might as well look like a you know was an echocardiogram or something right, right? like <laughs> yes um, just competing winning third wide receiver positions not not getting these opportunities that I felt like I earned and then I arrive at this fifth year which was like I think I had came to terms that well you know what God had for me was for me it was like godliness with contentment is great gain and I settled into a place where regardless of I'm going to give my best. And I'm gonna trust. I'm gonna trust God that things are gonna work out well. And yeah, it didn't work out the way I first perceived it. But you know what? I had an early injury in that fifth season. I yes. fractured my wrist. Um, later in the year, my mom passed away. Yes. And um, as as we're making a playoff push, so just devastating. You know, like it's like the worst statistical year of my life, yes. even as a special teams player. I only had like 10 tackles. I'm I'm 15 plus, you know, I'm trying to march toward 20. Right. And it was um it was tough, but coming back from burying my mom, it was like all of a sudden I'm in the game plan. Jeremy Shockey has an injury, and now we go four wides instead of three wides. And, you know, God had laid some words before me, some promises about, you know, the platform that I had as a special teams player wasn't big enough. He's gonna make my name great as a wide receiver. But when I got that word, that was at the beginning of the season. I'm like, man, we gotta, we gotta ball out. We gotta get 50, right. 60 catches out here. Right. We gotta do this. <laughs> right. So we always have our idea of how this is supposed to play out. But you yeah. get hurt, and then you suffer. You know, obviously the loss of mom, mm -hmm. and you're like, Definitely. what in the world? And so that was kind of like my experience in the middle of that year, and to to be a part of the game plan to move forward. And we arrive at the Super Bowl, and it's just more. It's like God has more. And the the, the, the words over my life was, hey, God's going to give you the big play. Yes. He's putting spiritual glue on your hands. Yes. You know, and, uh, you know, so it's like these words, these powerful words that were breathed into me through awesome people. I was believing God for something great. And trust me, when I catch a touchdown in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots to go ahead. Yes. I'm thinking that that's it. You thinking that's it? I'm thinking we good. We we good. Right. We good. We good. God. <laughs> <laughs> so now, real quick, before let's right before we get to Arizona, mm -hmm. let's talk about Green Bay. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. because I know we were frozen. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't frozen, but I know you were frozen. You was at home. <laughs> I was at home. Anointing your foot. I was at home. I was pregnant with the twins, so we wow. had two, and we were expecting another two. And tell me about that run. I mean, that game was so surreal. I know I felt all of the emotions, the excitement, yeah. the, just the anticipation of breaking through to the Super Bowl. Yeah, a lot of this is obviously detailed really good, more than just the catch. But it was we, – we just knew that something amazing was happening. And Green Bay was – you want to talk about the game. That was the game. That was the game. Right? Like, you know, the, the, the weather, the cold, Lambeau, yes. field – Plaxico Burris probably paid one of the best best wide receiver performances in NFL history. And I kind of got, I won't say bad vibes or bad feelings about that, but I felt like I, I should have had a touchdown in that game. And Jamon Williams <laughs> had an amazing NFL career 
was hating on your boy. So maybe we'll talk about that in the future and reconcile some things. But he made a great play. And, you know, they, my teammates used to nick, nickname me Lay Hands for two different reasons. Because, <laughs> you know, when you love God, you lay hands on people. That's right. But, you know, I was physical, so I also lay hands on people. Yes. So, you know, but the team, what we were able to arise to in, in that occasion, the back and forth, the kicks, the missed kicks, it had everything. It had everything, and that was the game that propelled us yes. into the Super Bowl. Yes, propelled us right into Arizona, where the most forgotten touchdown pass <laughs> is recorded <laughs> by David Tyree. I remember that. I was pregnant, almost about to deliver. My midwives were like, I know there's no way I'm stopping you, and that was true. True. But I'm in the stands. I'm excited. I remember it time. the time is at two minutes and I don't know how many seconds. But we know time is running out. You make that touchdown. And then, of course, Brady and Moss, they get the chemistry. No doubt. And they got points back on the on the scoreboard. Yeah. And here we are in the grind. Yeah. We're like, we're at a pivotal <laughs> moment, right? Yeah. We need a significant moment. We do. We need a miracle. We do. We do. We did. You know, I, I remember, you know, in this well-recorded Michael Strahan walking on the sideline 17 14 that's going to be the final i love it and it was just you know those kinds of things were happening right i the, love the it. belief yes and i think nothing wavered even though they scored and we just knew that the beautiful thing was it was there was nothing to ponder there was no field goal to ponder we needed to score and you know the cool part about that drive i think i had four targets on that drive even though i had the one catch right and i was so mad about a, a missed opportunity but I think. Wait, I'm sorry. Speaking of miss opportunity. Yeah. Your practice. <laughs> Which, why are you bringing up old stuff? Why are you bringing up? I know stuff? we were moving forward, but in order to appreciate the forward, we had to just take a pit stop at the drop passes. Folks always bringing up old stuff. No. <laughs> All right. So Friday practice is supposed to be the dress rehearsal. Yes. And that's supposed to be the clean, sharp practice, add situational football to it. Other than that, you're buttoning up what you're doing during game day. And I definitely put this on the shoulders of Plexico Burris because I had to run all of his reps, all of his routes. <laughs> because of his What little, happened to I, extreme listen, ownership here? Yeah, well, we'll own it a little later, you know, because <laughs> he owed me on some things. You, you owe me. So, so about how many catches were missed, dropped? We could just talk fumbled. about how many catches I had. I probably had about three catches and dropped everything else. <laughs> That's fantastic. It was bad. That's fantastic. You know, the, the, it's, it's definitely been I love about. it because it's about the story. It is. All right? The, 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 the Patriots were 18 and 0. Do you know what that might have felt like? Well, you know, you got this this scrub backup wide receiver. He's dropping everything going into the game. I know my teammates must have been like, oh, this, this joker better be ready. <laughs> right? And we weren't even sure if Plaxico was really going to play. Right. So it pro I wasn't aware of that, truly. But, you know, I'm like, all hands on deck. I know Plax going to play. But at the time, coaches and, and trainers didn't know. So it did play a lot more into it than I probably could have perceived. But right. honestly, I wasn't moved by it. I wasn't moved by it. It didn't feel good. It sucked. Right. I'm like, this is the worst practice of my life. And and I left it there. And I remember Eli came to me right after. He's like, hey, man, I know you'll be ready. He gave me that sure word of confidence. And that's where I left it. Went and watched the movie that night, and we was good. 
Excellent. So now here we are. We're at that play. Yeah. Okay. What's the name of the play? 76 Max Union Y Sale. And that basically tells me I'm running a deep post route on the outside. Cover four beater for all my football fans. I got the post to take the coverage off the top. Steve Smith's on the inside running a deep out route. And we got the perfect coverage because if we block this up well, they could actually throw me the post over the top. But no, Sean O'Hara, no, Chris Snee. <laughs> and actually, thank you for this. Right. <laughs> there was a severe breakdown of the offensive line, who, by the way, they're amazing. They've the been amazing. Yeah. They were the best in the league. No doubt. And for some strange reason, Holy. it all breaks down. <laughs> Eli looks like... Michael Vick, right? <laughs> Like, this is why you know miracles this have to happen. Is, yes. The black guy who can't jump. Yes. And the guy, if you blow if you blow on him the wrong way, he'll <laughs> he'll probably fall and fumble. Right. Right? So it was amazing when you think about all the factors yes. that were involved. And that was makes this the undisputable greatest play to me in NFL history. Yes. We, it's too many different factors that came together to bring this moment. Right? The most improbable. Yes. The most, like, metaphoric, iconic, like... And it all happened, and it's like this whole, you know, chariots of fire moment with this ball hanging up yes. in the air. He gets back. He, he yes. does what he's not supposed to do, throw it over the middle of the field yes. to a special teams player. And it's like up there hanging forever. And Rodney Harrison, one of the greatest hitting safeties of all time. Yes. And it all comes together, and yes. we are actually able to seal the deal. I don't know what's actually happening. All I know is I go to high point the ball, and I'm not letting go. That's my story. And it worked out all for our good. Excellent. So there it is. There was this significant moment in history. Yep. I know we say NFL history, but the truth is it touched over 90 million homes. Mm. So the date is right there, you know, and obviously we've had the opportunity to speak to many people over the years. Mm -hmm. And this moment is connected to their lives in different significant ways. That's right. Right? So this moment of significance was even bigger than the NFL. Oh, man. It was so amazing. I've heard so many amazing stories, and that's what you're going to be able to catch on Catch the Moment is, where were you when when, when, they, when you saw the catch? You know, What were your thoughts? What were your feelings? Do you have a story? So many people do. Yes. And um, that's what I actually rejoice more in because of how it impacted people's lives. That's the cool part about sports, of course. And... For me, that was also a moment of major affirmation. Like when you're when when you're never good enough and yes. you know that you actually are good enough, to be able to have a moment to a validation. And of course, I was expecting to build off of that. I didn't plan it for my yes. career to just, you know, totally get derailed with an injury. But that's I couldn't choose that. And and God saw that that was well and okay. Because yes. in five years he accomplished more with my personal career than I ever could have imagined. Excellent. And I still got two more years to bank on that, on them NFL benefits play. <laughs> yes. You know, so it was a great journey, great story. And that story is about every person, every listener who, you know, who may have, you know, just like I said, whether it's a story of hope, perseverance, it's the human experience embodied into yes. one of the greater moments of our, you know, American culture, sports history that shows how... Who, that shows that everyone has that overcomer in them. Yes. That need to overcome. So, like I said, I, I feel like I'm 
I'm every I'm the every man's, you know, athlete. Yes. Because most of us don't get a chance to have that moment. Yes. And I live that everyday life where where the grind is still before me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, what say you? We all good? Yes. That concludes our first podcast with Catch the Moment. I'm so, so excited. Yes. To just cap just to capture your life. Yeah. And it was it was great. Of course it was great. Well, listen, that's what it's all about. We out here sharing good, good, good life, good stories. I want everybody to ch- tune in next week, episode two. We're gonna point you in a direction toward where we're going week in and week out, and we need y'all to stay tuned. We we'll catch the moment, and we're gonna get great done. 